Outsiders podcast, where we unpack what it takes to succeed in business. I'm your host, Victoria Jones, and I'm in the business of empowering people to become profitable and purpose-driven business owners and leaders. Over the past six years, I've enabled ambitious female founders to start and scale their own business and make money doing what they love. Through our Six Weeks to Success Upstart program and one-on-one coaching services, I'm able to fulfill my mission to educate, enable, and inspire more people to turn their business dreams into a reality. Through this podcast, I want to equip you with the knowledge and inspiration needed to kickstart your business, build your brand, and thrive on your entrepreneurial journey. I'll be interviewing the world's most successful business leaders, innovators, and influencers. We'll delve deep into how they've built their brand, the tips they've learned along the way, and reveal what it takes to succeed. This morning, I'm really excited to have author, columnist, and TV journalist, Samantha Brett on the show. You'll know Samantha from her award-winning stories and reporting for Channel 7, Sky News, and CNN. Samantha has been a commentator, writer, and multi-platform journalist for the past two decades. She began her career at Fox News Channel in New York before going on to write Australia's top red news column in the Sydney Morning Herald for six years. During that time, she wrote six best-selling books and appeared on television, television stations around the globe. Sam is currently a reporter and presenter for Channel 7 News and Sunrise. So today I'll be chatting to Sam about how she became this amazing leading TV journalist, what it takes to become an influential female figure in media, and how to secure media exposure for yourself and your business. So welcome, Sam. We're doing this interview over Zoom, which is um, the way a lot of things have been happening recently, isn't it? Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful introduction. So thank you so much. Oh, well, a great career journey you've had. Is, is, did you always want to be a journalist? Was that a dream of yours growing up? Yeah, I think it was actually. I think, I mean, I always was writing books from the age of about five years old. I would just try and, you know, as as best as I could with little picture books and things like that. But I always remember from such an early age, just wanting to write a book. And then from the age of about 13, 14, I just knew that I wanted to be a TV reporter. And unfortunately, um, everyone says to you, it's an impossible dream. You'll never be a reporter. You'll never be a presenter. People still say that to me to this day. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself as to where I am um, in, in my television news career, which I just love so much and I'm so passionate about. But it, it really was something that I, I really just knew what I wanted to do from an early age. And did you, how did you go about, because there's obviously so many people that said to you, oh, that's the, you know, that's the pipe dream. And how did you go about making it all happen? So I thought the first thing I needed to do was study. So I went to university and I studied journalism law at UTS. But during that course, I thought to myself, well, hang on a second. This is, there's no practical skills here. I need to be in a newsroom. And I heard that you could actually do internships or cadetships in America and not that many of them are offered in Australia and if there are they work experience one day here one day there and I did plenty of that so I did that at Sky News, Sunrise, um, Channel 10 and I did as much work experience as I could but I applied to go to um, America, Fox News, 
CNN and I think CBS and didn't hear back anything. And six months later, I ended up getting all three of those opportunities. Um, But I decided to take one. So I took the Fox News New York opportunity and went there and studied and, and, and was in the newsroom there for a couple of months working alongside the best of the best in the world. Love or hate Fox News, they're good at what they do. They're good at television and television is all about pictures and getting the story and making things um you know uh not i want to i don't want to say entertaining but interesting i will say interesting for the viewer to understand the news of the day and so it was honestly the best place on the planet to learn and so i came back to australia and i was like this is exactly what i want to do except when i was over there Aside from the news and, you know, I was in the middle of an election and all the exciting things of the world, but all anyone wanted to talk about outside of work was, of course, dating and relationships. And um, (laughs) I won't share my age, but back then, Sex in the City was really big. And I decided at the time, like all young women, how great would it be to be a dating columnist? But I thought also at the time, there wasn't that many blogs and especially no news blogs. I mean, can you imagine a world without blogs, podcasts? You know, that was the world. Yeah. And I thought, how great would it be to do the dating column like Kerry Bradshaw for an Australian audience, but have it interactive as a blog? And so I pitched it to a couple of newspapers because back then you didn't really start your own blog. I mean, there wasn't even, I don't even think we had Insta. We definitely didn't have Instagram back then. So there was no way to promote your own channels so the only way to do anything was to be mainstream so i went to a couple of newspapers and eventually the sydney morning herald said you can start on monday just stop calling us um so i started this (laughs) column um called salmon persistent were you i was very persistent yeah and so i started this column called sam in the city and the first day it got about a hundred thousand hits and 300 comments and it just grew from there and the first column was why i hate valentine's day and it really resonated with people who were reading the news but also wanted something fun and entertaining but also all my columns were very newsy in the sense that i used statistics and i had case studies and i interviewed experts because i'm a journalist i'm not a dating expert and that took me on a whole new career trajectory for the next six years Wow. And dating, oh, dating, the dating world's obviously changed so much as well during that time. So it must have been interesting covering how it's all evolved and this whole new world of online dating as well. Yeah, it was so, it was so much fun. I remember writing a column about online dating and RSVP and how that was the new thing. I mean, to think today, how we have apps and everything else is just incredible. But it was, you're, you're exactly right. It was so fast evolving that I had stuff to write about every day. We were just getting into the hookup culture. So it had moved from sort of um, long-term relationships and monogamy to hookup culture, people marrying later, people being single for longer, more choice out there, um, less commitment. So yeah, so many things to write about. I did six books during that time, which was my dream to write a book. And there you go. I had six of them by the end of that, which was just absolutely just such a dream. And I had a platform. I had a huge platform. So no social media. This was my social media in a sense in that I grew this huge audience of hundreds of thousands of people reading every single day. So I would launch a book and boom, it would just be a bestseller. Like it just would because I had all these viewers and all these readers. Yeah. I think that's what many people now are trying to do is build up 
their brand and then they can launch something off the back of it where it's whether it's an online program or a book um what would you say to those people how to build a really strong audience for your brand you obviously did it you you um found your niche at that time and you created great content what would you say was the the secret to building a really strong audience for your brand yeah victoria there's so many different things and facets that went into that column firstly it was consistent i wrote every day five days a week for six years people knew where to find me and it was highly heavily strongly expensively promoted within the top red newspaper of the time so I'm always a big fan of mainstream media to promote things, but that is just because of my background and where I came from. And I always wonder if I had started it on my own, would I have ever, would it ever have been that big? And, you know, I grapple with that today, you know, where I'm launching books and I'm doing other things and I don't have that big platform. How do you have a big reach? Um, so I guess the advice for that, well, I guess if you're having your own thing, people love the column because it was just so real and so fun. And, you know, it wasn't like, I didn't take two minutes to write a blog post. I took a week. It was well-researched. It was beautifully put up with pictures. If you read any of the big bloggers about how long they take to put together a beautiful blog post and they set it out all beautifully with photos, I'm sure you're the same when you do anything that you do because your stuff's also beautiful as well and all your stuff on Instagram take the time I think and really um, what you put out there and and I, I got trained in whatever you put out there not has to be perfect but has to be um, representative of what what you're trying to say and your brand so um, you know a lot of people say to me now oh but your Instagram's like too perfect but I come from a world where everything took a week and had to have five sub editors on one <laughs> blog post that was the world I came from every photo had to be photoshopped and edited and prop, you know not not for wrinkles but for color <laughs> but you know to fix the color balance and all that kind of thing so I came from a world where everything that you put out back in the uh, when was it? Um, yeah, I would say the like early 2010s, um, where everything you put out had to be was perfect, you know. And so I, I was authentic as much as I could be while continuing um, a brand story. And I think people really like that. Yeah, it's funny how it's changed because I used to be a journalist too for a weekly magazine, and I think there it was it would go through about 10 pairs of hands before your story actually got published and um it was amazing like we you know we were lucky in the sense that you had your your words edited and perfected and the photos you had tweaked and i think these days we live in more of a get it out there culture but i feel like that's changing slightly and people are valuing really well researched content really well put together posts there's something to be said for not having to make it perfect but I think you know and I'm not sure if you agree and say to people really take the time to consider who your audience is are they going to find this interesting is it going to be entertaining for them in some way and helpful and helpful to them too I think we're bombarded with so many images of me 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 these days and my column was all about you and helping you and what is your experience and how are you going in your relationships and I think even with posts on Instagram, I know for myself, if I've posted something that says, you know, how is everyone else doing today? That's when I get more engagement as opposed to like, this is me, 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 me. 
yeah. I'm against the me, me, me culture, but you can't help but get caught up in it, hey, <laughs> with what's going on these days. And what about um, having camera experience? Like you had your dating column. Did you then have training to be in front of the camera? Like a lot of people now are having a go doing video content and putting themselves out there in front of the camera. What tips would you give to, to being on camera and... You've, you've really got that personal friendly approach when you're on camera. What would you say is the secret to that? So that personal friendly approach, I would, I would say has taken 15 years of training yeah. <laughs> because when you are in front of a camera, um, a lot of people freeze up and then they start to speak weirdly and they get concerned about what they're saying and they get nervous. And I have many mentors, but one, one mentor, um, specifically Michael Usher, he always said, when you're looking at the camera, try and look right through the lens all the way to the back and imagine that you're talking to your best mate or your mom or your cousin or someone that you're just really comfortable with. And so, um, and, and it's hard, especially when you're trying to remember words that you're supposed to say, you're trying to remember a script and to still come across naturally. And I guess that's the art of some of the best presenters. So my thing now, is to understand what I'm saying as opposed to rote learning it. And so instead of reading a script, and so I do breaking news at the moment for Sunrise, so instead of you know reading my script and today in the news, this and this happened, I try and think about how that might affect people that are watching. So I try and think, and then I always start off with something like, just for instance, I was, um, I was out at a really busy street on Saturday night reporting about a big brawl that happened. But that it was five o'clock in the afternoon. It was brimming with people. There were kids there. So I started off by saying, look, it was really frightening scenes here. There were kids around. Parents were taking their kids out for dinner and they came across this huge brawl. Um, and it was pretty scary for everyone involved. So instead of saying, at, at 4.55, a big brawl took place here in Auburn. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, like, I give myself, and it doesn't take long. I just say to myself, before I speak, I stop and I think about what I'm trying to say and who it will affect and what they might be feeling about this story. And so obviously with coronavirus, I've been reporting on that extensively over the past four months, every single day since it hit right up until now and the ramifications on businesses and whatnot. And I always try and think, so the big story obviously coming up um, is the easing of restrictions. So the first thing I think of, well, this is going to be a huge relief for business owners. So I'll, I'll start with that. And, and the minute you hear me even say that to you right now, you can hear my, my tone is softening. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the business owners. You're thinking, oh yeah, I'm a business owner. Yes, thank you. I might now be able to you know, start my speaking engagements again or whatever it is, or open up my shop or my restaurant. So it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win for me because I'm softening while saying it. And it's a win for the audience because they're listening to it thinking, yes, that's me. So my top tip would be um, as best as you can, learn what you're saying by all means, and then throw it away and think about what you're saying. And, um, and really try and think of your audience as well. Well, that understanding, yeah, really comes across like you're showing you really understand your audience and empathize with them, which is such a big, that emotion then comes across and you feel that, you know, so many people you might watch and feel like, oh, they don't get me or they're not, they're not feeling it. And I think, you know, that's a real skill. And obviously it comes across from doing something that you really care about as well. Like you must with all the stories you do, there's a real, yeah, you know, an empathy for 
what you're reporting on and um, especially during this time it must have you must have had some some quite difficult stories to cover and over your career can you tell us a little bit about you know some of the stories that have really stuck with you over your career as a journalist good yeah, I mean I, I New Year's Day New Year's Day I am in a party dress as I am every New Year's Day reporting about for sunrise about how wonderful the celebrations were and how many people were at the harbour foreshore and we're showing off beautiful images of fireworks and you know it comes through in my ear breaking news a firefighter has died you know in the north of New South Wales fighting fires and you're just standing there and they come to you and Sam how is the celebrations of New Year and you're thinking what is going on here like there's obviously a big story and just a shocking tragedy that's taking place away from where I am and you know I knew I knew it was coming and and the minute I got off air I get the phone call and it's like you need to go actually I went south because there were the bushfires in the south as well so it was just all around New South Wales yeah and I drove south and I'll never forget it there were I would say thousands of cars and people stuck in their cars in traffic trying to get out of out of their holiday homes I mean it's New Year's Day out of their holiday homes you know traveling back towards the city and I'm like we're the only people traveling away away towards the fires and that's my job and I get to a town and you know the whole town is just decimated and there's just nothing left and homes are smoldering like home after home like there was like 200 homes that were just burnt to the ground and people were crying and knocking on my door saying do you have petrol please I need I need to get out of here and you know and, and I stayed there we, I slept on the floor I had no water bathroom definitely no hair and makeup at that time yeah. you know we wear a fire suit so we wear like an orange jumpsuit and I just stayed in the orange jumpsuit for like a week and um and you just report and you just stand there and you report and you speak to families who've lost everything and people who've seen their homes being torn apart by bushfires and you know that stuff stays with you and it stayed with me for a really long time and more and more firefighters died and I covered that whole time you know back and forth um south um, most of it was in was in southern um, New South Wales and then um, it was just just a devastating time and you know there was one morning when I was at the rural fire service and I'm reporting and I just forgot my lines I was just like a firefighter had died and another firefighter and I just I was trying to talk about him and I just choked up I, that was it I just you know and then there was and then a couple of weeks later Sorry, I shouldn't talk about all the bad stories, but you know, the, um, the three kids got killed by a drunk driver while walking to get ice cream. Um, three kids from one family and, and their cousin. And you know, I was the first person on the scene and uh, the next morning and the dad came and I was interviewing him. And then I just straight away had to cross live for sunrise, like interviewing the dad, turn around on air. And I just had to, throw to his grab I just couldn't even speak it was just the most awful awful day Gosh. and being a mum yourself you oh. were really related to that oh I mean I still I was thinking about that family last night I just you, you can never forget that I will never forget the bushfires and this family either and yeah I, I I did two years of court reporting where you know families are in court for years and years trying to get justice for like a, a child or a husband or a wife who's been who's been killed or injured in something and you know 
that that I guess that I guess is the is the why is the why I I kind of do it is to um I guess the public needs to know about what's really going on sometimes and I try to be fair and balanced in those reports and then there's another side of it which is really fun and you know the side that I do it for me like the other day I went on the first whale watching boat of the year and that had to be delayed because of coronavirus and no one could go on boats you know or cruises so I was on the first boat and I was able to see the beautiful whales making their migration and that was really cool and and so I've done some really amazing things as well and lots of celebrities and glossy stuff as well so you know it's such a vast array of things that I get to do you've covered so many um yeah varied stories and it what about the celebrities is there anyone interesting that you've interviewed or that stuck out particularly over the years of the interviews you've done? Well, I wrote a book called, with it, with my co-author Steph Adams, called The Game Changers. Um, so this was a couple of years ago. It was just before the big female um, empowerment movement explosion, would you believe it? And we were kind of the first. We got in there very, very early and I decided that we wanted to do a book interviewing some of the most successful women in the world to find out their stories. And, and, and this was before like all these beautiful podcasts that have now come out and yeah. doing the same thing. It's weird. It was like just before all this broke. Set off a so, trend, hasn't it? Everyone's doing it now and wanting, yeah, to become part of this movement, which is fantastic. It is fantastic. But the weird thing was no one had done it then. So access to these people was unprecedented. They'd never had a phone call like this. They were like, yes. So we had Ariana Huffington, um, Rachel Zoe, Meghan Markle. Um, You know, these people had never been called before to talk about female empowerment. It was just so new. And they must have loved it, though. Were they super open to it? super open to it and so they were very open and they would talk about their struggles and um and give advice and and uh, we ended up getting about 50 women from all over the world and um put it all into a little coffee table book called the game changes and um so so your question i mean obviously Meghan markle was just one of the those interviews that um really stuck by me i think about it all the time because it was um it was those. It was one of those interviews that she hadn't done too many interviews, and so the whole world had nothing to go by when the announcement came that she was even just dating Prince Harry. That the whole world used this information from this interview. It was, um, it, it was an interview, and then I pulled it together and wrote an essay for her, and then she approved it. So it's really like a first-person, full four-page essay that she you know, that she kind of wrote about her life and her struggles and her challenges and how she overcomes things. And, you know, so people know that she, she volunteered in a soup kitchen, like this is from this essay that she wrote and, you know, stuff like that, where she just, she just opened up about her work with the UN. I mean, this was really the first time that she'd written about that. And the whole world just picked up on this one little Australian book that just went global. You gave her the platform to be able to, yeah, share. I'd like to say that, Victoria. (laughs) And was there a common theme, you know, amongst these female leaders that, you know, really stuck with you? Something that, you know, like a common thread that you've seen with women that are successful and from having interviewed them, would you say something stuck out? Yeah, I think the thing that stuck out for me is that there is really no such thing as an overnight success and that what we see from these women looks like, oh, they just came out there, they knew what they were doing and boom, they're a big success. But all of them 
speak about their challenges, some of them for decades. Ariana Huffington is just such an amazing story. I mean, she went to like 50 banks to try and get a loan to start the Huffington Post. No one would give her any money, you know, and it's just like, she just kept going. She just knew this is what she wanted to do and she just needed a check from someone. Yeah. I just love the attitude of just keep going and not letting naysayers or challenges um, or people telling me you, you that you can't do it to get in your way. Yeah. And do you think women experience that a bit more than men um, when it comes to their career? No, I just don't think men talk about it. <laughs> I think it happens to men a lot. <laughs> I just don't think we hear them harp on about it. And I also <laughs> think that men have a bit more of an attitude like, of course, I got rejected onto the next. Whereas women take it so to heart. I got rejected. Maybe it's not a good enough idea. Maybe I should start again. Maybe I should scrap the whole thing. Men are like, no, nah, I know it's good. They don't know what they're talking about. And I think we need to have a bit more of that attitude that if someone's rejecting us, yeah, it's because they don't know what they're doing. Not because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, have definitely more of that self-belief and self-confidence we could learn from. And what's um, the best way to pitch a story to you? Like a lot of people talk about getting media exposure, not necessarily to you, but, you know, what would you say to people um, if they're pitching to the media? I always say to them, you know, think about the audience of that publication or that network, what's going to be right for their audience. And rather than send through a blanket press release, come up with some bespoke ideas that would work um, for their audience. You probably have some better tips. So it'd be great if you could share what no. makes hundred percent. Firstly, know who you're pitching to. There's nothing more annoying for um, an editor, a reporter, or a journalist getting a pitch that has simply nothing to do with your publication at all. So become a consumer, a heavy consumer of wherever you want to be featured in or whatever your, um, whatever your niche is and think about where people are promoting what you do and what kind of publication. So, I mean, the number of times that people come to me who, who does breaking news on Sunrise and says, can you please feature, you know, th this product that I can't, I can't feature the product. However, if you watch the news and you saw what we do and, we help the battler, which is, you know, like we're all about like looking at lowering energy prices or getting better mobile phone deals, you know, that kind of thing, which is one aspect of what we do do on the news. That is a way you can get your uh, product or service featured. So watch, yeah. watch where, watch, read and listen to where you want to be featured in. Write down all the types of stories that they do and think about how your product or service can fit into one of those stories. We'll do the same types of stories every few weeks. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same pattern. So it's not too hard to work it out and think about. And then as you're saying, I think you're 100% correct in, in making a bespoke pitch for the journalists. Get their name right. The number of people who email me and say, hello, Susan, or whatever it is, <laughs> um, get their name right, get their publication right, and then try and work out where you can fit in. Um, the next thing is have your media kit ready and your interviewees ready. It is no point in you if you email me on Monday morning and saying, this is my story idea and then, and I love it, within the next half an hour, I need to you to answer your phone, line up an interview, give me images, and remember television is a visual media medium, give me video, or organize for me to do a shoot, there and then. This is all yeah. within the space of a half an hour of you sending to me if I like it. The other way to do it is pitch it a week before. So say, listen, next Monday we're launching X, Y, and Z, would you be interested in covering it? We have, and, and give me all of this. Two people that you can interview, a case study, a family, and shots of the product. That Just make, it, make our lives easy. Have your media kit ready to go. And I've actually pulled together 
a, my own course um, because uh, you know, I can talk about this stuff and it's about six hours that I talk about it in different modules, but I actually pulled together a pitching to media course because I was like, you people need to understand, you know, what is a media kit? And I go into that. What is a press release? And I go into that. So these are all things that they're pretty simple. I think you just need to see one and you need someone to help you um, work out what it all is and what you need to put in it. Yeah, good. Where can people find that course? So you can go to sambrettauthor.com. It's a bit of a secret um, project that I just do on the side for people who really need help. And I feel like, you know, they would benefit from it. And you can just sign up there. Perfect. Thank you. And you're obviously a very busy um, lady. You've got lots on. You also have a daughter, don't you? And I know there's lots of people listening who are mums and they're, including myself, trying to find that balance, um, which I'm never sure actually exists, but just juggling a lot of things what would be your advice or tips for for mums trying to balance you know trying to do the work and and motherhood thing too look I, I think like a lot of mums we need to give up on being perfect and there are days when I come home from work because I start work at 3 30 in the morning and I come home from work and instead of cleaning up the kitchen or instead of making the room I prefer to spend that time with my daughter she's three reading her a book, doing stickers, doing painting or whatever. And I just think you can't do everything. And I think things need to let go. I'm also really um, aware of my work hours. And if things aren't working for me, like we, um, we had a new show, which was late at night. And, you know, my daughter work, wakes me up at five o'clock in the morning, so I can never sleep in. So that just wasn't working for me. I just couldn't do the late show, unfortunately, even though I loved it. So I think making sure that your work hours work for you and just, just forgetting to just forgetting perfect, forget the house sometimes, who cares? No one cares except, you know, no one cares. Well, I, I think that no one should care. And I think the most important thing, well, for me is to just spend more time with my daughter and, um, you know, and I, yeah, I guess just, just making sure that the things that I do focus on are really important and that work hours stay work hours and family hours stay, work, stay family hours. And we have like a big saying in our house, it's no phones. And so if anyone's like glued to their mobile phone and you know, you're supposed to have family time, one of us, usually my three-year-old daughter can shout out no phones and we want to quickly put them away no matter what we're doing. And I just think that's a nice reminder. Um, we don't have television. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so someone that works in TV. Yep. Cut that out. Um, it was by default, but um, you know we just don't have television, so um, time is rather spent reading books or chatting or doing puzzles um, and that sort of thing. And and you know, no family's perfect. And there are days when I'll just put on the Netflix for my daughter for two hours, and we have a bit of you know rest time. Um, and that, and then again, you know, that's fine because that's like no judgment, you know? And I think yeah. we just stop judging each other and just do what we got to do to get through the days because it's, you know, working and being a mum. sometimes you just feel like you just want to give up one or the other yeah. <laughs> and you just can't give up being a mum. So, you know, your work flies and that's okay too. And now like I've just taken off two weeks to just, regroup and you know actually clean my house or get my stuff in order and do a few podcasts and just get a massage and 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 that's okay too I think and and not to be guilty all the time like I I just said to myself don't be guilty this is my time who cares I'm allowed to have this time 
Am I? I don't know. Am I? (laughs) I think that's really important, that awful mum guilt. It's just a reminder to go, actually, hang on. Um, If you don't have time for self-care, which I learned this week, you become quite an angry mum and impatient. And I think I just took myself off to a yoga class on the weekend and I came back like a new person. I think it's really important to prioritise that as well as your family too. look after yourself. Um, And then just finally, we always end on our six steps to success, which is our program, which is how to build a business. And it's all based around these six steps that we take people through. So it'd be great to get your quick fire answers to these um, questions. So just one word or a sentence, whatever comes to mind first. So number one is mindset matters. So getting in the right mindset to be successful. What fears or, you know, self-development have you overcome to get yourself in the right frame of mind to be successful? So I have lived, sorry, one word answers, but, you know, I've done so much. I mean, I've done so much. Mindset is everything for me at the moment. So um, just turning those negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Like I go on air at 5.30 in the morning and it's freezing and it's sometimes like, four degrees you know and just to say I love being here and I enjoy my job and I'm so blessed to be here but genuinely believing it so I think turning around those negative thoughts is key for my mindset yeah and finding your why like I always say to people it's very important to to find your purpose which can obviously be an ongoing thing throughout your life but do you really believe in the power of purpose and the power of believing in something bigger um for your job in your job and career absolutely and i 100 percent believe in this and this is why i did sambrettauthor.com you know i don't even tell people about it to be honest actually you you drew it out of me but um first. <laughs> yeah I, I i don't tell people about it but i just feel like it's so important to give back um and that you can't do that or some people many people feel they can't do that unless they get to a certain point and that's how I felt and I thought actually you know what of course I can do that and let me try and see how I can do that without having to get to a certain point in my career but anyway the why yes I think you need to think about your why and it needs it can be really simple I want to make more money to give a better life for my family I want to get a better profile on Instagram or or be on television so that if I can build my profile, then I can really take that profile and go and help this charity that I'm passionate about. And so that's how I find my why constantly. Um, and, and I constantly remind myself of that too. Great. Good tip. And building a successful brand, you've obviously built a brand um, for yourself over the years. It's very well recognized. What's been the secret to that? I mean, one thing that really stuck out for me was the authenticity. Is there you know, anything else that's really true to your brand? Um, geez, thank you. I mean, I know, yeah, I struggle with my brand a little bit at the moment because moving from the dating brand to the news brand to the women empowerment brand, you know, having three different lives of three different brands is, um, Um, but I guess the common thread throughout it all, and thank you for saying about the authenticity because I appreciate that. I am about no bullshit in my life in the fact that my friends, I can't be bothered to be fake. So my friends know that my family knows that, but I didn't know, I don't know if the wider community knows that. So I just want, I think that, you know, I want 
I would love that to come across where I, I don't have time for bullshit and I don't have time to be fake. And I don't even have time to Photoshop my images. So if I have wrinkles or a fat stomach, fat or whatever, like that's what I have, you know, <laughs> I wish I had more time to Photoshop photos and things like that. So I, I just, um, I've forgotten your question, but um, brand, brand, brand. Yes, um, being true yeah. Look, always, 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 always thinking about who this is helping. Always with my column, it was always like, how many people can I help with this today? With the books, it was like, I always think who is going to be the reader and what will they get out of it? And the amount of women that's come up and said, you know, this game changes has inspired me to create my own business. You should honestly I'll tell you about some of these business women another day but you know these big businesses they read the book and they were like all right I'm starting my own and they just went and did it because those stories inspired them so always thinking about who I'm affecting and and how and how I can help them I hope has helped my brand and and, and I think back to my why why do I want a brand to help people so yeah, yeah that's and has there been any channels that have been particularly impactful for you in the in the social media space? Um, obviously, being on TV and having your column, Instagram is that a great place platform? Do you think to? Um... It's interesting because um, I actually started a little private Facebook group, which is on that sambrettauthor.com. But um, I started a little private Facebook group, and that's been really powerful. And I don't have a million users on that. I have about thirty. It's a small. It's called Sambrett's Inner Circle, and it's just people can ask me questions and I'll answer them. And they ask me about getting into the media and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm always there for people in that little group. And it's more powerful for me to have 30 people who are engaged and listening to every word that I say, as opposed to a million followers who might just be there to see something titillating or funny or, or interesting. Yeah. So I've found Facebook groups really, really effective. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think, yeah, finding, you know, I always say to people, it's not about building a huge um, following that it's about building a really engaged following and people that are loyal to you and yeah much better to have 10 people that are responding and engaging with you than just to have uh, 10,000 that are just yeah just there to you know for the wrong reasons or yeah so great tips thank you and um, how can people connect with you or find you you mentioned your um, url for the course is there any yeah. um it's just samantha underscore brett at instagram i put most stuff up there the links to my books and that sort of thing so you can find me there and sunrise a couple of days <laughs> a week perfect thank you and thank you so much um for talking to us there's some great little nuggets there of information that i'm sure lots of listeners got some value from so thanks sam Thanks for having me. And, and I love what you do and I love all your, your advice as well. So um, yeah, thank you for putting it all out there and for your beautiful podcast. I really enjoy it. Oh, thank you. And for anyone listening that's like this episode, please um, write a review or um, give us a star and um, please do subscribe and stay tuned for more upcoming interviews and advice from inspirational business leaders and women like Sam. Thank you. Bye-bye.